Romans chapter 8, 26 through 34. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. And we know that all things work together for good. For those who love God and who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That He, Christ, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? God is the one who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. This is the word of God for the people of God. What do you have to say about that? Have you ever heard that question? Has anybody ever given you that? I guess maybe I should say, has anybody ever thrown that in your face? (laughs) Right? Because that's the context of normally where it comes from, isn't it? But what do you think about that? That question is also, in in that question is also like, what is your, so what's your response? Or how does that make you feel? Really, I think the question is, oftentimes when, unfortunately, I've used it, my question really is, so how are you going to change your behavior based upon the information that I just shared with you so strategically? What's interesting is that in this chapter, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, Paul asks us, that question. So what do you think about that? What he has just run through is a list of things on how God sees you. In the past we've talked about how amazing you are, how beautiful you are, how intentionally, purposefully created that you have been how God sees you, right? Some of that's hard to swallow, isn't it? Because that is definitely not how we see ourselves 
when we wake up and look in the mirror, is it? Beautiful? Good looking? Amazing? Have a purpose? Gifted? Talented? Owned by the Most High? Well, you don't know how I rang in the new year. Or you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know how I've said it. You don't know the intention of my heart. As we talk about what we're going to discuss today, your little card, God has picked me for great things. We need to remember the context of what this book has been written in. It was a difficult time in Rome. The Jewish Christians were sent out of Rome and had been sent out of Rome for five plus years. They have now returned to a group of Gentile Christians who were running a church that they've never ran before. And these two group of Christians were these two groups were coming together to run the church. We're all like, that's a disaster right off the bat. But that's what was happening. And Paul knows this. And he's speaking into that situation as their mentor, as their spiritual leader, as their spiritual father, as the one who further helped establish that church. He's speaking into this. And he's like, Here's who you are. Don't forget who you are. Not your traditions. Not your past. This is how God sees you. Last week we talked about our weaknesses. Right? You remember that? What Paul is talking about here, that word in the Greek talks about both. Our physical and our spiritual weaknesses. Our, our weaknesses of the body, that our feebleness, our frailty, our sicknesses. It also talks about our soul. The spiritual side. To be able to understand spiritual things. To bear up in our difficulties, in our trials. That's what the weakness is. And Paul's like, look, we all have them. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. We all have these. And so there's a, a common ground that Paul is, is drawing these people to. And he's letting us know that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Do you remember intercede? To go and meet with a person for the purpose of a conversation and consultation. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes to God, who knows us, who knows what's going on in our lives. And the Holy Spirit goes to Him because we don't even know how to pray. That's what it says in Romans 8. Well, there comes points in times where we don't even understand what to say. But the Spirit does, and He goes on our behalf. Paul goes on, and this is who you are. For those God foreknew to have knowledge of beforehand. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah writes, The word of the Lord came to me saying, 
before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Just what we read in Psalm 139 this morning. God knew us. Before we were born, we were set apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before you were even in the womb, God foreknew us. Who we were. What we were called to do. That we were anointed. We had been given the gifts and the talents needed to become what God designed us to be. So we were foreknown, Paul says. We're also predestined. Can be a big deal right here. Predestination has split churches. It has developed new denominations. And it has caused great division. Because there's two ways to look at it. Here's a way to look at predestined. That God had decided beforehand, before you were born, and that He had decreed that you can spend eternity with Him. He knows. We have free will, but He knows that you have a choice to spend eternity with Him. Predestination is not something to divide churches over. It is something to simply understand that God created you knowing that you have an opportunity to spend eternity with Him. That word predestination even goes as far as saying that it is a heavenly decree. It is a law. It is a heavenly law that you have a choice. God has kept the doors open. It is available for you. But you are predestined in God's mind to spend eternity with Him if you so choose. That means that every one of us will face a crossroad of a choice. Every one of us will face that crossroad. Will you choose yes or will you reject Him? The predestination that God is talking about here is saying that you will have a choice at some point in your life. You were for new, you were predestined, you were to predestined to be conformed, having the same form as another to God, His Son, Jesus Christ. That's part of our process, right? We are becoming like Christ. You were also called... Oftentimes, this is misinterpreted as you're called to make that decision of having Christ as your Savior. There's much more to this than that. Being called is that you're being invited. You're being invited into your purpose. It's something to participate in. Being called is that you are being invited to come participate in what God has for you. Here's the last part that I absolutely love. And you always, if you've ever wondered where I get the phrase, I get to do this, it's right here. Because the last part of this word called means to enjoy it. You have been invited to participate in what God has for you 
and that you will enjoy it. So we get to do this. We get to. Because the verse prior to this tells us that all things work together for good. It doesn't say that everything's going to be easy in rainbows. But all things will work together for good if you love Him. Remember what we talked about last week? That's your job. Your job is to love God. And in that, you find the joy of being called to participate in what He's designed you to do. You're justified. That means you're righteous and acceptable to Him. Well, I'm just a, I'm just a lowly sinner saved by, by grace. I'm going to be very honest. I have a problem with that. If you had done something wrong, and you stood before me, the judge, you had done something against my family, and I gave up one of my children so that you could be free, and I don't see you anymore as a sinner, but I see you as redeemed. You see, there's this veil of the blood of Christ that I have to look through to see you. You are righteous. You are free from your sin. But if you walk around going, man, I'm just a lowly sinner, then I'm going to look at you and go, what was my sacrifice for? Now, I understand the concept. Don't get me wrong. But when we speak that we're just lowly sinners, that holds us into a a cage at points. And that's how we see ourselves. So when we wake up in the morning, we're not looking at ourselves as being free and called and known and justified. We're seeing ourselves as trapped in this sinful life that I have declared over myself. But God's calling us right here justified that we are righteous, that we are acceptable to Him. Can a lowly sinner walk into heaven? No. Can a justified child of the King walk into heaven? Absolutely. And that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to let us know, look, I see you as freed from your sinful life. Will you sin? Yes. Can you ask for forgiveness and move on? Absolutely. But our basis is not a sinful person because that's not how God sees us. We know our kids do wrong, but do we see them as bad kids? No, we see them still as our children. And that's how God sees us. Justified and accepted. Glorified. Well, Pastor Ian, I thought we were only glorified once we entered the pearly gates. We think that, don't we? That glorification for who we are is not going to happen until we enter heaven. Here's what that word means. To exalt to a glorious rank or condition. Short, it means you've been positioned. You've been promoted. You have a new position. Just like Paul talks about in, in um, Ephesians chapter 2. He says, God has made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It was by grace that we were saved. 
God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. It doesn't say he is going to seat us. We have been positioned in Christ in the heavenly realms. We have been glorified. It doesn't mean that we walk around shining and have halos over top of our heads all the time, though it would be nice. But it means that we are positioned in Christ in heaven. It's like, I've talked about this before, a walking Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant that that the very Spirit of God rested upon. No matter where you go, you're carrying the Spirit of God with you. So you walk into Walmart, the Spirit of God has entered this place. That's because of who You are. You've been glorified. You've been positioned. So Paul walks through all of this. God knew you before you were born. You were predestined to have relationship with Him so that you're conformed into the image of Christ. You have been called. You've been invited into something to participate in and something that you will enjoy. You've been justified because God sees you as accepted. And you've been glorified, positioned with Him. So what do you have to say to that? Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Well, I don't know what to say to that. (laughs) And you know what? That is a fair answer. There's no condemnation. Again, what Paul talks about right here, there's no condemnation in going, I don't know. We talked last week about the measure of our faith, right? Where's where's the point that your faith stops? Mark chapter 9. Did anybody get a chance to read that? Awesome passage. The man brings his demonic son to the disciples can, and the disciples cannot cast out the demon. Jesus shows up after spending some time up on the mountain of transfiguration. And the man looks at Jesus and says, if you can help me. Jesus' response, if, not out of arrogance, but out of truth. If I can help you, do you know who I am? And the man says, I believe, but help my unbelief. That man identified a point in his life where his faith stopped. And he did the only thing that he should have done, was ask for help. So in this, in looking at our lives and going, man, you know what, I have been called, I've been invited, I, looked, I am looked at as favored, I've been positioned with Christ in the heavenlies, what do I do with this? I don't know. Because And if your answer is, I don't know, then this is a point of where your faith stops. And that's okay. There's no condemnation there. Because what I'm going to tell you to do is ask for more faith. Help my unbelief. Help me. Help me understand this more deeply so that I can further step into what God has designed me to be. Help me understand And help me live it out. 
Paul goes on after he says, so what do you think about all this? What is your response to all this? How is your behavior going to change? How is your faith going to grow after you understand all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, you know what? Um, I got a laundry list of who can be against me. We get to that point, don't we? Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? And in our minds starts this list of, well, this can be against me, and this can be against me, and this can be against me. You know, I've been beat up for decades, Pastor Ian, over this stuff. It gets me every time. Again, we reach a point in our life where we understand where our faith stops. And it's not a point of condemnation. It's simply information to go, God, here's where it stops. Just to be brutally honest, I already know you know it, but here's where it stops. I'm just admitting it. Help me from this point. Who can be against us? God, who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He also, along with Christ, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Again, we know because we feel it. We, we face those things. We face those spiritual buffers that come against us. God can defeat those. Jesus Christ, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is also at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. So in this passage that we read this morning, you have bookends. Bookends of intercession. You have the Spirit interceding for us, meeting with God, having an appointment with Him to discuss you and your difficulties and the things that you're facing. At the end of this passage, you have Christ interceding for you. Church, that's powerful. That is so much better than you calling me and saying... You know, Pastor Ian, I know you got this direct connection with the Lord. I need you to pray for me. You're talking to second place. The Spirit intercedes for you when you don't even know what to say. When the things that you're facing, can't, you can't even form the words. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you. Christ the one who willingly gave his life for your salvation is interceding for you. Talking to the Father, the one who foreknew you, the one who set you apart, positioned you, glorified you, They're already talking about you and what you're facing. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're never alone. 
the, when you think that you are, that's the one who is condemning. That's the enemy. You're never alone. Don't buy into the lie. And that's what Paul is talking to these Romans. Look, I understand, Paul said, you know, I understand that this church is coming together. I understand that you've been through some difficulties. A lot of, this, a lot of what they faced was persecution. Of all of the religions that were in Rome at that time, all but one were accepted. Because Christianity was the only one that didn't worship the emperor. All the rest of them allowed it. So Christians were being persecuted. And in that, Paul is saying, look, you're not alone. You may be facing some very hard times. But you're not alone. There are things that's happening in your life that you don't even know how to put into words. There is pain happening in the depths of your hearts that you don't know how to express. But you don't have to even worry about that. Because the Spirit of God and the Son of God are speaking to the Father who sees it all about you. And He will answer. And He will answer. Our job is to trust and to have faith in that. So what do you think about that? What do you think about that? This is one of those moments where, especially since I'm up here preaching, that, because I've been in your seat, and I've thought when situations like this happen, I think, man, he certainly can't be honestly asking me that question because this is just a, a place where it's just got to be a rhetorical question, and if I hang on long enough, then I can say my prayer and I can get out. But then again, I'm famous for homework. So, what do you think about that? It's one of those things that you really answer, you have to answer. If you are being drawn into your relationship with the Lord, which I know we all are, answer that question. How do you see yourself now in looking at your life through this set of lenses? This is who you are. Not just on Sunday between 10.45 and 12. This is who you are all the time. And that's how God sees you. And He walks with you. And He'll walk you through whatever you're facing. And He will walk you into where He's taking you. Remember, you've been invited. You've been invited into something that you were built for. And it's something that you can enjoy. So walk with them. What do you think about that? <laughs> it's exciting. It's exciting. It is exciting. Let me pray for us. Father, Lord God, we do thank you for this day, this time that you've given us. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for challenging us to see us the way you do. 
Father, I pray that our hearts are open. God, even now, I just I hear your spirit just asking, asking me to ask you to open up our hearts. Open the doors of our hearts. Father, allow us to see beyond where we are today. Help us to see those things that you are bringing to us. Father, I pray that you take our hearts and instill joy in us. Father, that we would enjoy what it is that you've calling you've called us into, what you're calling us into. Father, there is new taking place. And Father, I pray that you allow us just to have our fingers on the pulse of your heart and that we walk with you through the things ahead. Father, we love you and we do worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.